I'd like you to stand up. I'm just going to obey God. I'd like you to stand up. I want you to put your hands out just like that. And you need to be real serious about this because the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth is right here, right now. Jesus is right here, right now, standing right by you and wants to bless you. And I'm going to speak what I believe God has given to me over you. That's so funny. You, he's, you know he's spoken to you, but I can't remember anything except to just step out in faith and save the ones that I know. And he's going to give the rest to me. Now, for those of you, God's beginning to walk away for you. There is a path that is beginning to open for your life. That thing in your life that's been so difficult, that's been your problem. It seems like you're going south. From this very moment, this very hour, there's a reversal. You're going out. You're going to your destiny. And no one is able to stop it. No devil can stand in your way. Prosperity is coming into your life. Goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. You will know tender mercies. You will know loving kindness because God is in your life. That serious problem in your life is being destroyed right now in Jesus' name. He's concerned you for so long. And you've been concerned, what do I do? What can I do? I've done everything that I know to do. What else can I do? God saying to you this morning, I've heard you. I am the one who makes a way through the sea. I am the one that parted the river Jordan and opened the way for my children to go through. This morning, I'm parting the sea for you so that you can walk on dry ground into your promised land, into your destiny, and no devil can stand in the way because I am your God. I'll take care of my people. I'll take care of my people. I love you. I love you. I gave my life so that you might have life and have it more abundantly. That is my will for you, that you eat the good in the land. The good in the land is hidden, but I make them available for my people as they obey me and love me and walk according to my will, says the Lord. Amen. Please be seated. Now, I'm going to say some things that sometimes we need to put in perspective. Father, I just ask that you, you minister to us by your spirit and by your grace and by your goodness. Holy Spirit, speak. Anoint our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Many times when you read through the scriptures, and, and you begin to look at the lives of those that live in, lived in Bible days. Sometimes we wonder, what was Paul like? Maybe he showed up and there was a halo over his head and the people can recognize, as a man of God, he's in town. Just a simple man. The reason I'm saying this to you this morning is I just spoke over you and they said, well, that's Pastor Joe speaking. You missed it. You missed it. 
Because God has been looking and still looking for somebody who is willing to let him use him. God has been speaking. God has not stopped speaking. He does everything through his words. He never moves from his throne. He speaks. If God wants something done, he speaks. God governs the universe with his words. He speaks. And many times he's looking for a man to speak because he is spirit. He doesn't have a natural tongue to speak through. He finds a man to speak through. And if you hear, he begins to work in your heart. When you hear and you mix it with faith, things begin to change. It's supernatural. It's natural, but it's super. Okay? Supernatural. It's in the natural world, but it's coming from heaven. And many times we're looking for the wind. Many times we're looking for fire. And God is speaking through a still, small voice. And if you listen, it works. The greatest things that God's done in my life and in my family, my wife's life, you wouldn't even recognize God was involved. He's so natural. Amen. He's so natural, you almost miss it. He's so natural, you think, I'm just thinking. That's how our fellowship was. It's just a thought. It's something that came to you, and you're thinking, okay, what's this? And you have to figure it out. But God loves His people. If you are alive, God is there with you. He hasn't forgotten you. He knows the intimate details in your life. Everything that's going on. Every bill that you have to pay. He knows about them. Above that, He cares about them. Especially if you are His child. He cares about what you're going through. He he cares about your concerns about your children. He cares more than you do. Because He loves you. And I'll let you know, you may think God's punishing you because of something you've done wrong. God doesn't punish anybody. God is a happy God. You know why? Because Jesus said, it is finished. And God's concern was over. My son took care of everything. That's the way God sees it. He's happy God. He doesn't punish you because of what you've done wrong. What you've done wrong has inbuilt in it things that will cause you trouble. Not God. The sins have, sins have inbuilt in them things that will cause you trouble. And God is the only one that can lift the trouble. When you acknowledge, oh, I'm wrong. And that's why the Bible says, if we confess our sins, God is just and faithful to forgive all of our sins. And He doesn't stop there. He cleanses us from all 
unrighteousness. You know why? Because they were hindering his blessings flowing into your life. So once you speak, you hold your destiny with your tongue. Your tongue. Was just a few words. That's why Satan is so afraid of you. He is scared of you. Because he knows, and I said this here, he knows just a few sentences from your mouth to God can change everything. He's been oppressing you for years in just a few moments, maybe five minutes with your heavenly father. And he hears you. And once he smiles on you, son, daughter, you come home. Welcome. The devil says, bye. I'm gone. The trouble's over. We make these things too complicated. I say, God is not aware of what's going on. I say, God, now let me remind you of all that's happening. Maybe uh, lately you haven't been paying attention. He knows what's going on. He knows everything that's happening in your life. Amen? And wants to care, he wants to take care of you. I'm going to continue my message today with... Uh, that we started the two sides of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Basically, I'm saying the gospel of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God, the two sides of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ has two parts. The first part is Jesus himself, the Son of God, who came to be our Savior. He wants us to receive him. When you receive Jesus into your life, your life is changed. There is a new man or a new person inside of you. Once you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, something happens that eyes cannot see. It's inside of you. And most people will feel it. I remember when I got saved, there was that joy. But you still look the same. And you still have to pay your bills the next day. You can't say, I got saved yesterday, I'm going to heaven, so forget the bills. No, they'll come after you. You still have to pay the bills, you still look exactly the same, because now you have to work with the second part of the kingdom of God, the principles of the kingdom, which the Bible calls the way. Have you heard that term? The way. That's the way to live here on earth. Jesus in your heart prepares you for heaven. You're going to heaven. Nobody's going to stop that. But your life on earth, your destiny here, your mark on this earth, depends on your working knowledge of the principles of the kingdom of God. And I'm talking about seven principles. And I spoke the very first principle is the spoken word. And the spoken word was the first principle that God gave us concerning living on earth. First principle. And you can see that. And God said, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And God said. And, and then you read through, he tells you the, that was the first day. And God looked at what he said. And it was good. That was the first day. And then, and God said. Notice, he says, and then it happens. And then he inspects what's happened. And then he says, it's good. That's the next, that's the following day. Then the next day he speaks. Why do you think God was doing that? He was letting us know words have power. 
So he called Adam, name the animals. Your words have power. Whatever you call them, that's what they are. Whatever you call into your life, that's what you get. If you keep speaking evil words over your children, that's what you're saying. You are, you are making their destiny known to them, and that's what they, they'll realize. You need to realize that. What you say is so important. Because you were created in the very image of God. And God is a speaking spirit. And you are also a speaking spirit. And what you say come to pass. That's why Jesus said, Every idle word that a man shall speak on this earth, on the day of judgment, you'll give account of it. You are going to hear the words that you have spoken on this earth, spoken back to you again. So words are very important. So that's the first principle. The second principle is the principle of gratitude. Which we just got through. Thanksgiving. Gratitude is the seed for more. If you want more, be grateful. Gratitude is the seed for more. God expects us to be grateful. Jesus expects you to be grateful. He may not say it. He wants you to come back and say thank you. Even for the little things. When you are grateful, you get more. When you are not grateful, you stop the flow of blessings from both God and man. Ingratitude is the birthplace for complaining. Say that again. Ingratitude is the birthplace for complaining. And I go further. Complaining is the burial place for unfulfilled destinies. Say that again. Complaining is the burial place for unfulfilled destinies. When you complain, you die in the wilderness. God doesn't like complaining. He loves thanksgiving. When you give him thanks, he's ready to do more. Gratitude is celebrating grace. Because you don't deserve it. You acknowledge and you celebrate the grace of God. When you complain, you dishonor grace. And if you dishonor grace, your life will be graceless. And if your life is graceless, you will suffer shame on this earth. So gratitude is very important. It's the seed for more. If you need more, show gratitude. Even with men, we said here, when you show a lot of gratitude, they want to give more to you. They will even sacrifice to give you more. But if you act like you deserve it, and show no gratitude, his thinking is, I'm going to show you. <laughs> I'm going to show you you don't deserve it. That's why the Bible says to be thankful. Always give thanks, give thanks, give thanks for all things. So we need to give thanks to God. 
gratitude will increase favor from everyone. Towards God, once you're grateful, you'll find favor. I mean, you're looking for favor from God. You want greater favor from God? <laughs> Thank Him. You know, I, when I read the scriptures and I see the life of David, when God was telling David, and I'm not sure if David really understood what God was saying, but God made a promise through Nathan, the prophet, to David. He says, you're not going to build that temple, your son will do it. And I'm gonna, I will never allow this to happen. That your one, your, one of your sons will not be on the throne. God was talking about Jesus Christ. Son of David. Notice Jesus was never called son of Abraham. He wasn't even called son of Joseph. When you need a miracle, you call him son of David. Have mercy on me. You know why? Because of that promise. Thousands, hundreds of years back. But when David heard that promise from Nathan, what he did, the Bible says he left his house and went to the tabernacle and sat down. He just sat in the presence of God and said nothing. I don't know how long he was there. And then after he sat down for a while, he says, God, why are you doing this to me? Why have I found so much favor in your sight? Look at everything you've done for me. What's so special about me? And guess what? How God was seeing that. He was so pleased. God even made a promise. Even if your sons sin and do evil, because of you, I forgive them. I forgive them. No matter what they do, because of you, I just like you. That's why the Bible says he was a man after his heart. Because he was such a grateful man. Hardly complain. Hardly. You, you have to see what David went through. Running from cave, even behaving like a, like a madman. But never a complaint against God. Even after he had been anointed by the greatest prophet in his time, Samuel. Never complain. Every little thing we're already complaining. How come pastor said that? <laughs> That's for me, Okay. <laughs> Gratitude will increase favor. Amen? Let me move quickly to the next one. The principle of giving and receiving. Remember what we're saying here. So we know where we're going. Jesus Christ prepares you for life in heaven. Amen? The principles that he left, the principles that are in this book, they prepare you for life here on earth. You can be so poor, have nothing at all, living in a cardboard house, and God will love you. All of God's love will be upon your life, living in a cardboard house. Or you can have a, an, eight, an eight million dollar home. Eight million dollars home. That's where you live. And still have the same level of love that God has upon the cardboard house man. Same. You decide where you want to live. 
Amen? You decide. If you walk his principles, you'll get there. You can't just be praying. Walk his principles. You got to give him something to walk with. Jesus didn't pull bread from the sky to feed 5,000. He said, what do you have? Give it to me. Give me something to work with. Prayer is also something to give to him with which he works. But you can't be just that alone. Mix it with other things. Go to the word of God. Find those principles that are against the things, the evil coming against your life. And you'll find victory. Work them. Work those principles. Amen. And they always work. They always work. Because God doesn't sleep. He never slumbers. And the Bible says He watches over His Word. He knows when you are working His principle or when you are just playing games. And there are a lot of game players in church. Excuse me. <laughs> uh. Glory. I feel it in my bones. What? Next minute he's saying, I wonder why God is treating me this way. I pay my tithe and I do all of these things, but I never get anything. Pastor started again. Glory. The worship service was great. I love it. God knows flaky, flaky, flaky. We have to be the same in church and at home. At the doctor's office, no matter where you are. You know what you believe. You got to work those things out. Amen. That's where it works. The principle of giving and receiving. If everything is in place, this is the principle for success in life. <laughs> Let me tell you this. Money is not a dirty word. Money, just to have money. I've heard people say, you know, money is the root of all evil. That's not true. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. God doesn't care how much money you have. Whether you live in a cardboard house or an $8 million home, that's not his concern. You decide. That's your business. All he cares is principles. Work with his principles. Believe his principles. Believe he wants you blessed. So we're going to be talking about the principle of giving and receiving. This is the way God uses to bypass the law, the curse of the law, so that you can be blessed. You know, in the beginning, God cursed the earth. After Adam sinned, he cursed the world. He says, you're going to suffer, you sweat. But then God found another way through His Son to go around that so you can have what I call sweatless success. <laughs> uh, yes. And God can give that to you. Every one of you believe that. But is He willing to? Yes, He is. He wants to bless you. 
That's the number one thing when it comes to the principle of giving and receiving. You need to recognize thoughts that God wants you blessed. <coughs> Excuse me. You have to recognize that. You have to know the nature of the God that you're serving. If you ascribe to him a nature that is foreign to him, he has no obligation to work with you. You have to understand who he is and what he really is like and what he wants for me. Once you recognize that, look into it. Find out what he demands so that you can receive what his will is. God wants every of his child blessed. Let me put this ahead of time. God considers every Christian a farmer. Everyone, if you get born again today, he consider, you know what a farmer does? He, he plows and he sows seed. Every Christian in the mind of God is a farmer. I'm, com- I'm going to show you scriptures about that. You're a farmer. And if you're not farming, <laughs> you're going to starve. <laughs> every Christian is a farmer. God wants everyone blessed. God wants you. Can I say this? God wants you to be rich. Rich is not a dirty word. God wants you to be rich. And I'm going to show you that. You see, a lot of times, Christians argue against what they see in the scriptures. Against their own lives. I didn't say God wants you to be all millionaires. Did I say that? God wants you to be rich abundantly supplied. So when you have to pay your bills, you are not concerned. When you have to go to the store, you know you buy whatever you need. You don't have to drive from Cyprus uh, to, to Spring to buy gas because there's cheap gas over there. How many have done that? Running all over town looking for cheap gas. For two cents... You drive from one end to the other end. Sometimes you waste more gas before you get there. You can't really calculate all of that. When you abundantly supply, what difference does it make? You don't throw it away, but you use wisdom. But that's what God wants for us. Let me share with you this scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of God. How many know the grace of God? You know the grace of God, the favor of God upon your life. Know it. You should know it. The grace of God. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake. Who's sick? Your sake. This is the word of God. For your sake. He became what? Poor. That you, through his poverty, might be what? Made rich. Become rich. Rich. That's in the scriptures. Have you found that in the Bible? Turn your scriptures right there. Don't argue with God. Our ways are different from his ways, okay? 
His thoughts are different from her thoughts. When you reject what he says, for whatever reason, you just rejected God. And he cannot work in your life. That's the scripture right there. He didn't say everyone to be a millionaire, but every need met. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. All your needs are met. The needs of your children are met. Give me this day, what? (coughs) My daily bread. Not just today's bread. No, my daily bread. Abundantly supply. When your mind doesn't understand, you say, give me today's bread, and then tomorrow we have to figure that. No, no. Give me this day my daily bread. I need it. That's your father. He's rich. He can let you have some of it. That's the word of God. You may not start that way, but God's going to get you there. I've read so many men of God, starting with Komos, they even rented television. Today, they have Rolls Royce. And it's not a big deal to them. Because as long as the, you can own a Rolls Royce, as long as the Rolls Royce doesn't own you, that's where you get into trouble with God. When that house owns you, we got trouble here. But if it's just a tool to keep your family comfortable so you can serve God, so your children can know that God's blessing you, that's good. The unbelievers will see it and what do they do? Why won't you God? And the Bible says they'll fear you because God's blessing you. This is sacrificial here. This is part of Jesus going to the cross. This is atonement. Jesus became poor. He came to this world to die for us. Became poor so that you, according to the scriptures, might become rich. That's what the scripture says. And don't tell me he was talking about spiritual, rich, uh, spiritual wealth. Jesus was never spiritually poor. Like I said on Wednesday, no spiritual poor, spiritually poor person can raise somebody from the dead. The one who is spiritually poor cannot turn water into wine. You can't heal the sick. Jesus was never spiritually poor. Never. But he came from a land of abundance into our world. And he had to live by people giving to him. Remember that? People gave to his ministry. The one who owned everything had to receive to, to live. That's what he's talking about. That was his sacrifice. Why was he doing it? So that I can have. Amen. To give. You have to believe that. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Beginning from verse 11. He says, beware that you do not forget the Lord your God. That's the problem. Because of stuff, don't forget God. Don't put stuff ahead of God. Put stuff behind. Use stuff as a tool to serve God. When there is a need, you pull from stuff to take care of the person. It's been said, where there is a problem, there is a potential for a relationship. The, man might, the person might really hate you, but if he's in trouble, cannot pay his bills, he has a thousand dollars, and you give, he hates you, really hates you, and hates your church. 
But now he has a bill and he's going to be kicked out or they're going to repossess his car and you give him the thousand dollars. He's found a friend. Amen. He's found a friend. When there is a need, there is an opportunity for relationship. So this is what God wants. He says, beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments. That's to love him and love your neighbor as yourself. His judgments and his statutes, which I commend you today. Lest, notice what, I'd like you to read these scriptures very carefully. Lest, when, not if, when. Get it? When, not if, when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses. When, not if. Can you follow me? When. God is saying, I know you build beautiful houses. You are my children. You are entitled to that. But don't forget me because of the beautiful houses. And notice he didn't say, when you have built a beautiful house. He said, beautiful houses. Somebody says, oh, well, the pastor's house is too good looking. Well, you missed it. <laughs> That's what God wants. His name is glorified through that. Because they know where he's coming from. It's God that's doing it. It says, when you are, when you are full, you've eaten and you are full, and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them. And when your herds and your flocks multiply, herds means your businesses. Amen? The different businesses that you're doing, they are multiplying. Herds, that's what type of business. Your flock, that's another type of business. If we put it in our, uh, today's contest. You see, God's not against any of this. We need to change, we need to change our minds. Amen? Renew your mind so that God can walk with you. How can two walk together except they are in agreement? God wants you blessed. You got to believe it and begin to position yourself waiting for the blessing. So God says in verse 13, And when your herds and your flocks multiply, and what? And your silver, that's in the Bible, amen? Your silver and your gold are multiplying. God didn't say if, he says when. And it's going to happen when for you, amen? Can I hear an amen? Your gold is going to multiply. Can I hear an amen? Your silver will multiply. That's according to the word of God. You may not be there today. Start today believing. Because the Bible says don't despise the days of small beginnings. So you can start today and begin to trust God. I'm not going to live this way. anymore. You know, sometimes we can get so comfortable with our situations. People can be sick and they get all the attention from people. It's like a situation in England. Let me put it this way. This lady was in a wheelchair. And they were giving up. I mean, the, the, the government bought, bought um, a, a minivan. I was in that minivan when I was there. Whew. That minivan was loaded. All kinds of gadgets in that minivan. And a house the government built and they made everything. So, and they pay her. 
And if she uses the minivan, after two years, if she doesn't go beyond 3,000 miles or so, in England, if you drive too fast, you wind up in the ocean. And it's a real small place. <laughs> if you drive and if you don't go beyond 3,000 miles, you can take the vehicle back after two years and they'll give you a brand new one and give you a few hundred dollars or 2,000 whatever for not going over 2,000 miles. I heard all of this and we were in a meeting and my friend said, good luck, I want you to pray for her to be healed. I said, no, I'm not going to do that. She's not going to be healed. She says, I want you. I said, no, she's not going to be healed. We fought. This is the lady that invited us. You remember her? I wouldn't do it. We had just prayed for a young man, Down syndrome with a heart condition, and God healed that. So they were pre- she was really pressuring me. Pray for her. She, she can walk. I said, I'm not going to do that. She's not going to be well. God won't heal her. And so we left it. A few years later, I think I went with Pastor Andy. She was telling me, you're right. One day I proceeded to pray for her. She, says, she started crying. She says, oh, oh, if God heals me, I lose my vehicle. I lose my house. Why am I saying this? You can be in a situation where you are so comfortable being poor. And you're not fighting anymore. You don't want to make the change. You don't want the responsibility to go to the next level. You've just accepted it. That this is the way it's going to be. I want to know what to do with myself if I have this. I'm okay. And God says, that's okay. That's what you want. That's all you're going to get. But the truth is, Jesus became poor. This is scripture. He became poor that we, through his poverty, might become rich. That's the scripture. All God says, don't forget me. Don't forget. God has set the principle to get wealth. It's called the grace of giving and receiving. In the Old Testament, it was called sowing and reaping. Paul changed the term. In 2 Corinthians, he called it the grace of giving and receiving. This is a grace that you don't want out of your life. You need to lock yourself into this grace. Paul wants you to have this grace in your life. A lot of Christians give. They say we're not expecting anything. That's not the way God has set it up. And you miss a lot doing that. It's not wrong for you to expect. That's faith. No man puts a seed in the ground as a farmer and decides, well, I don't care what comes out. I really don't worry. We'll ask him, why are you sowing then? What's the purpose? If you're not expecting anything, why are you doing this? Why do you spend all day in the field and you're not expecting anything? Whatever comes, but that's not the real farmer. The real farmer is out there watering his seed, amen, Making sure he gets a good harvest. In Genesis chapter 8 verse 22 he says, While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. So there is always a time to sow. (coughs) Excuse me. And there is a time to reap. So that's not going to ever 
sees. But Jesus explained this principle very strongly. And I pray that God would help us to understand because a lot of people don't fully understand these things. You know, we get so spiritual and we're not doing what God wants us to do. What you're doing is in the natural. But when God receives it, it becomes supernatural. When God says, this person is holy, believe me, once it comes out of his mouth, this man is holy. Mess with it and you see what's going to happen to you. When God says to do something and it's holy, do what he says. You see what will happen. You do what's natural, he does what's supernatural. They meet and the blessings come. Reject what God says to do in the natural and you miss out on this all that God's going to do in your life in the supernatural. Jesus explained this principle of sowing or giving and, and, and receiving. And he was talking about himself. You know why I know that this is a major principle? Jesus was talking about himself. Everything that you have and have power over is a seed for sowing, for more, including your own life. Everything. Your time is a seed to sow. Your kindness is a seed to sow. Your friendship is a seed for sowing. Your money is a seed for sowing. Every seed will produce after its kind. That's the principle. That's the principle. You can't show a lot of kindness and a lot of people showing kindness as Christians. They give a lot of kindness. Guess what they get back? A lot of love and kindness. But you can watch them. They're down there struggling. Truth. Even missionaries. Because that's not the way to get. Amen? That's not the way. Every seed after his kind. Every seed. Jesus the Son of God, God needed more sons, right? Now, in the kingdom of God, God doesn't see male and female. They are all sons to Him. Every one of us. Amen. Everyone is a son. God needed more sons. He sowed His Son. That's the principle. Whatever you need, you have the seed. If you have it, it's your seed. You give it, you get more. You know why people, I used to wonder, I can, how do these people love their adopted children to the point where they give everything? It's not your child. You know why? They sowed love. Amen? And those adopted children, they feel love and they give back love. I've seen situations where the natural parents want the child back. The child said, no. This is my parent. I'm not going to you. I don't know who you are. That's my parent. Have you seen that? Because they gave love. What you give is what you get back. It's a law. It's a law. It's called giving and receiving. And Jesus explained it. He says, but Jesus, that's John chapter 12, verse 23 24. But Jesus answered them saying, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. 
But if it dies, it produces what? Much grain. And he was speaking about himself. Jesus was saying, I am the only son of God. If I stay son of God, God will constantly, forever, have only one son. But if I give myself, and I fall to the ground, and I sow myself, and that's what God did. Jesus went to the cross. That was God's way of sowing his son. Amen? Of giving his son. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave. The grace of giving and receiving. Giving so he could sow his son. He fell down and died. If I stay alone and don't allow myself to be sown, father, my father, he will have only one son. But if I allow myself to be sown and I die, then look at this room. All sons of God. Because what Jesus did. Key principle. If you hold what you have, your money to yourself, guess what you have? That's all you get. And people want to live by their jobs, what their job gives to them. You're limiting God. Your job, God allowed that as a seed. And we'll come into that next week. God allows your job for means of giving you seed for more. You got to sow it. Not give the farmer, notice what the farmer does in their time when it was all sowing. They keep some for their family to eat, right? They sell some to get money, right? And they keep others for sowing. That's very important. You hold your destiny. If you make up your mind today that I'm going to believe God, and I'm not through with what I'm about to say about this, I'm going to believe God. I'm going to start sowing today. Watch how things will change so rapidly. I remember some years back, my wife just started uh, a business, uh, not a practitioner of business. She just left and wasn't employed anymore. A kind of difficult situation. And we were working together. We rented a place, which we shouldn't have rented. Made a lot of mistakes. And my wife needed people to come. So I, did, we, we, I, I did my work from home. So I go there, we print stuff. And we, I go all around the neighborhood, putting flyers on people's door. My wife is a doctor now, <laughs> nurse practitioner. Come over here and she's going to help you. And we did that. Angela stays there from morning to night. Hardly one person showed up. And we said, oh God, what are we going to do now? And then we went to, uh, I believe it was Colorado. We had a, a, a conference there. And I was out. And Oral Robert and Beanie Hen were on television, remind me. And uh, Oral Robert came to that meeting with his seed, telling Beanie Hen, I think it was when Beanie Hen was going somewhere, to preach the gospel. And he said, Oral Robert said, I came with my seed. He said, $1,000. And he was asking people to sow seed. And Angela said, I'll sow 1000 too with the rest of them. I can tell you without a doubt, from that very day, things changed. Things changed. And things have changed since then till this very day. 
Uh, I'm sure if I was in the room, I would have argued with her. We don't have what's this one thousand of that. <laughs> but I was out of the room. So <laughs> she made up her mind, and the, the, the transaction was done before I got back. <laughs> but thank God, a thousand dollars, just one thousand dollars, solely for God's work. You never lose your reward. Let me show you something. What you have, that money is a natural seed. When you put it into God's hand, it becomes an incorruptible seed. Can never die until it produces its kind. Can never die. You'll never lose your reward. Never. Once it passes your hand, that's why the scripture says, here on earth, men who die receive your tithe. But as they are receiving it here, up there, the one who is receiving it is Jesus himself of whom the scripture says will never die again. He died once, he never will die. He receives it up there. So once it goes from your hand out, in the name of God, he's transformed from a natural seed into a supernatural seed from a corruptible seed that's going to waste into an incorruptible seed, and you will never lose your reward. If Christians will understand this, you will lose fear for the future. Amen? Because God will always take care of you, no matter what happens. We've seen this in my home many times. All the troubles will come, but they are just to test you. In the way I see it today, that's another stepping stone for something better. Because God is in there in our lives. We just have to sow. I never miss paying my tithe. I don't do that. That's settled. Because your tithe protects your seed for harvest. Your tithe is, what is supernatural and you're going to get blessings from God. But that tithe, he's saying, God, I'm sowing my seed to you. Amen? It needs to be protected to be incorruptible. And so you can give all you want. And if you're not paying your tithe, <laughs> excuse me, you're still so incorruptible seed. And this is not about just giving. A lot of pastors are afraid to speak of giving. And that's not me. Because I want to see God bless you. Amen? When your family is happy, and that's what I was praying for this morning, when your family is happy, and you're happy, and you're doing well, your children are doing well, I'm happy. My job is done. I want to see that. When you're struggling, it's affecting me as well. We're all in this together. Amen? We're all in this together. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. I want the best. But if you don't speak the word, God has nothing to confirm. If you speak the word, the Lord will confirm the word with signs following. If the people react that way. Amen? So God's going to bless you. Can I hear an amen? A lot of good is coming to your way. Amen? God's blessings are coming your way. We're going to complete this message next Sunday. Am I right? Because I usually speak off. Next Sunday we're going to complete this part because I still have a lot to say in this area. And I pray that God will give you understanding. And then you begin to put this word into practice. And watch what God will do. No, next Sunday I'm going to be sharing with you also that when you give, God will give you the same thing. But he goes beyond that. 
and start affecting, just reaching every area of your life. Your children, your retirement, your health, everything. Because he's seen you love him. Amen? Stand up with me this morning. All heads bow this morning. I want to invite those who, if you die today, you're not sure that you will go to heaven. Or, let me put it this way. If you got to the gate of heaven, and Peter was standing there, and he stops you, and he says, Son or daughter, why do you think I should let you in here? That's let you into heaven. Why do you think I should let you in? What would your answer be? What would you say to Peter? Because your answer will determine whether you go in or not. If you say, I don't know what to say, I'm talking to you this morning. If you say in your heart, well, I go to church, I'm talking to you this morning. If you say, I'm a good person, I'm talking to you this morning. Because if that's your answer, you won't get in. He won't let you in there. You need Jesus in your heart. That's the only way to get in. You need to accept him as your Lord and Savior. All heads bow. I'm going to call, I'm going to speak just this one, two, and three. At the end of three, if you want Jesus in your heart and you really mean business, I want you to put your hand up quickly and put your hand down. This is a holy moment. This is very important to heaven. And do it seriously. If you want me to pray for you and you want Jesus in your heart this morning, at the count of three, raise your hand quickly and put it down. I'm going to pray with you and Jesus will come into your heart. Here we go. One, two, three. Put your hand up. Put your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Pray with me, especially those that put their hands up this morning and mean this from your heart. And tell God that you are going to serve Him and make sure you are in the house of God when the doors are open. Say with me, everybody join. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today in the name of Jesus, the Savior of the world. Lord, I accept you, Jesus, as Lord and Savior of my life. Come into my heart. Change my heart. Write my name in your book of life. Thank you, Jesus, for accepting me into your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer... You don't need to say any other thing because God loves you and he's been waiting to hear that from you. If you meant it from your heart, Jesus came into your heart. Whether you feel it or not, he's there. If you talk to him, he'll talk to you. So spend some time praying. Talk to him. God, what's going on? Why this? 
and those thoughts will flow through your head and understanding of what's going on will come to you. Amen? I want to bless you according to the, the Lord's commandment before we go. So put your hands out again and I'm going to read and bless you according to God's word. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, may his goodness and his mercy increase upon your life. May his favor grow and multiply in your life. May this very day be a day of joy forever in Jesus' name. God bless you. We're dismissed.